welcome to the One Player Podcast, the show on solitaire board games. I'm your host, Albert, and this is episode 163. And Albert, there are never mistakes, only happy little accidents. Hey, Julius. Welcome. Welcome back. <laughs> How are you doing, Albert? I'm doing I'm good to hear. Doing great. Yeah. Thank you. And having, having said there's no mistakes, I feel like we're talking over each other more than we usually do. <laughs> <laughs> that may not be a mistake. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, today we're going to talk about art in games. It should be interesting because this is probably this is the first episode we've never really focused on a specific game. Well, we are so doing this new goes. sort of feed, uh, this new sort of um, format for our podcast. We're trying to take take things shorter, so we have had times in the past where we've combined a discussion with the game, but like we're trying to keep our podcast about half the size of usual. So now we're just having a discussion, and we'll come back with more games next time. Yep, there you go. Though that being said, I do want to mention two games briefly. Do they have good art, Albert? Uh, one I think very much so. The other one I don't know yet. the The first game, <laughs> the first game I want to mention is Thousand Year Old Vampire, which I I briefly mentioned in passing two weeks ago when we talked about journaling RPGs. Thousand Year Old Vampire is a role playing game. It was kickstarted last year, and it is about being a thousand year old vampire, and you're writing your your entries about your memories and experiences. But as you play the game. You start forgetting your memories because, you know, time has passed. You don't remember what happened a thousand years ago. You start forgetting people and whatnot. Um, anyway, this game was nominated for three Ennies, which is I think is pretty darn cool, right? These are big role-playing game awards. And it was nominated for the product of the year, best game rules, and the best production value. And I'm pretty excited about this. I think it's a really nice game. It is such a good-looking game. Well, I mean, Albert, how how special really is an any? Anybody can get an any. <laughs> Anybody can not. Anybody cannot get an any. <laughs> <laughs> pun very much intended, by the way. That was only for the pun. <laughs> Thank you, Julius. <laughs> Don't quit your day job. Anyway. <laughs> Anyway, Julius, as I was saying, this game was awarded for three awards. There are three categories in the award. Um, people could go vote for these now. I could provide links for that. I'm not going to worry about providing links. I think if you want to vote for this, if you know about the game, go check it out. I'm personally really excited because I think this is the first time a solitaire-specific role-playing game has been nominated for awards like this. And it's such a neat book. It's actually like a 150-page solo rule book. I, I find that pretty darn... And again, this is a solo journaling role-playing game, yes? Y- yes, exactly. And yeah, it's all about writing down little entries about your memories of being a vampire. And then forgetting them and crossing them out because you've forgotten things. So so that's the first thing I want to mention. Um, the second one is a Kickstarter that I just stumbled across today while, while taking notes for this. It's a it's also solo role playing games. It's a small zine called Our Innermost Thoughts, a mostly solo zine of small RPGs, five experiences about communicating with yourself, nature, and others. That's the title and the caption and all that. It's currently on Kickstarter, and it's actually pretty neat because it's by Travis Hill of Low Player Count, um, one of my favorite solitaire and low player count podcast out there, which is unfortunately is, is <laughs> former <retired> podcasts. <laughs> yeah. 
But uh, check this one out. It's on, I'll include a link. It's only uh, it's got five games in them. Four of them are solo specific, and one is a two player game. And it's a it's a small zine, like I mentioned last a couple episodes ago. And it's only nine bucks for the Kickstarter plus I assume plus shipping. Which or nine bucks? No, isn't nine bucks if you want the physical one? Yes, yes nine for the physical one. Yeah, I assume everybody wants physical copies. I thought stuff. you said five dollars. Tend not to like PDFs. Uh, I well, I don't know what I said, but I meant nine. The PDF is five. You you could get a PDF only for five or a physical copy for nine. So wait, you said yeah, so, one of these had mm-hmm. good art. Which one of these two were you referring to? Oh, thousand year old vampire, definitely. It's a real it's a nice book. I not necessarily art specifically, but the layout. The the it's a book, right? It's a hardcover book and it's made to look like a journal. Like a the kind of journal you'd find at a store that you could, you know, write in and whatnot. And the book is filled with things inside, like, it's it's not um, actual tape, but it looks like there's tape and markings on it and things stuck in it, like photographs and whatever. The cover has a couple stickers on it that I, I, I want to keep, I keep wanting to pull them off, but they're not actually stickers or printed on there. They just, they look so realistic. And it's just such a well-designed book. I, I, I really get a kick of just looking through the art and, and the pictures and whatnot. Here in the, at the inside, in the, I guess in the the uh, copyright page, it says this book was once tied to these information sources: www.thousandyearoldvampire and Hutchinsonian at Gmail. Then below he says, "Tell me about your games. If the above contact methods do not work, simply write your letter on a piece of salted paper and hide it under a stone containing no ferrous metals. <laughs> I will find it." <laughs> which I think is so cool and just and just little things like that throughout the book that just give it so much flavor that really really make it shine I think that's why I think this game really does deserve an award so I think a lot of that comes out in terms of flavor though I don't think that's really a good example of art and I am going to pull the conversation a bit towards our main mm-hmm. topic for tonight um, we're talking about art and why art is important to have a good game. So let's just start off with that question to begin with. Mm-hmm. Albert, why do you feel that art is something important in order for you to be able to enjoy a game to its fullest? I I like looking at games and I like the way they look and, and being immersed in the stories of the game. And I find I do that through the art mostly. Um, games, for example, that have a lot of flavor text, I tend not to read the text as much and just go off the art. So for me, it's really important that way. I was half expecting to hear a different answer from you because for me, I, I do agree with you a lot that a lot of immersion that comes out of games does come from enjoying the art being pulled into the visual medium of what's being presented in the art and the the design for the game. And I think probably less so about the generally small amount of text related to story that you see on many cards and many rule books. A lot more of it comes over the art. And I was a little bit wondering if you'd have a different answer because I know that you do enjoy solo journaling games and you do enjoy games that are much more over a word medium than... I do generally, and we've seen that over the past couple podcasts. We've heard that, so I thought you might have said something different. 
Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Well, the, the, when I when I like a journaling game, I like because really for the same reason, it's evocative and it, it gives a, a setting, gives a feel to the game, right? It brings a theme up more in in the journaling games, and that's because you're a lot of the times the point of the game is your your person journaling, and that's what you're actually doing. So it's very thematic. I like art that that is thematic, also that the the game, the feeling of the game comes out in the art. I think that's something you definitely have to have for a game to be considered good art because different games can have very different styles. Generally, I do find myself more a fan of art styles that are more realistic in games that um, Arkham Horror or uh, I'm not. And by realistic, I don't mean non-fantastical. I mean that it looks like something that your eyes would actually perceive. So even something like Cartographers, um, it's full of or only has a few amount of cards but it's it depicts things that may be fantastical monsters and um vivid settings of magic type places but the art is nice to look at the art is very evocative of what it is that you're doing for the most part and really shows you something to be said in that world but even i would Mm -hmm. say there are some other games that are more light-hearted um Right, more cartoony or, or even abstract, like like um, I think Carcassonne, for example, the art styles in that tends to be more cartoony. A lot of another, the old Euro games. In general. Another one I was thinking of is also Imperial Settlers, and they sort of mm-hmm. make fun of it a little bit to a degree because much of their components actually feature in the art that the components are the actual things that they're fighting about, and the people look kind of meeply and things like that. I don't know if that kind of breaks the immersion for me. I think that something like that does break the immersion because for me, I see the components as representative of things, but I don't think that the actual battle is, is what's actually taking place on the board. I, that does bother me a little bit when I see it. I don't like that sort of thing. Okay, it's interesting. I find I don't mind it too much if it's still well done. Like cartoony art. I, I do enjoy cartoony art too in a game like say Carcassonne or Imperial Settlers or whatever. Only if it's something that I think deserves it, that feels cartoony, mm-hmm. that feels fun. For here's an example of one that I think is cartoony Dungeon Pets. Are you familiar with that one? Mm-hmm. Yep. So yep. Dungeon Pets, it's a funny, lighthearted game where you are goblins trying to raise these fantastic creatures that are generally bad things, monsters out of babies and trying to raise them so that other monsters will love them and want to take them home. And you hear me probably <laughs> laughing even talking about it because it's funny. But it is it is cartoonish because it's a silly, because it's a humorous type game. But the art is still endearing. The art still brings you into that theme of just having fun with the people. As opposed to, let me give a counterexample, CV. Just CV. Which is a game where you are building your cv or it's sort of like life type thing where you start as a kid and get on to old age and over the course of the game you're drafting cards of of achievements that you've done by rolling dice to see if you get the resources you need to get them so in that one the art is i i I can't say weird because we're trying to be more specific the proportion of the humans in there are all blown out they're not things that you would really be able to see so for example like it's almost like claymation type styles where really huge heads or necks that are just as long, tall uh, necks that are as wide as their head and just bleeding over into the rest of their body or big round bulbous type characters. Mm-hmm. Um, very cartoony, very cartoony. 
And for me, I think that does break the immersion. I never feel like I'm actually participating in a real life character, even though you could. And I've seen some people play CV and at the end of it, they try, I hate to denigrate their, their attempts at playing the game, how they like to, but I'm, I'm trying to give my opinion. When they play the game, they try and tell the whole story of, Oh, look, I, I started off as a young kid and, I moved on. I had my own company. I rose up the ranks until I established it enough to be folded into my father's major company. And they, they make their whole story out of it. And if that gives them pleasure, fine. But for me, I can't really, I can't tell a story that's supposed to be me or supposed to be real life when it so clearly doesn't, it, it doesn't look anything like it. It doesn't, it doesn't even look yeah. like a world that matches its tone. Yep. I see what you're saying. I think I think I see what you're saying. In a game where you're you're taking on a specific role and you're trying to immerse yourself in that role, it's hard to take it seriously when it's it's cartoony. It, um, unless it's a game where your role is cartoony. If I'm playing a silly character like a bunch of a bunch of <laughs> if I'm playing Wiley e. Coyote, so I want the theme, yep. I want the art to match Wiley e. Coyote because I'm being silly. But if I'm doing stuff like I'm actually getting a company or I'm actually having going to college, stuff like that, match it. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, I agree with you there. Yeah. Well, like here's an, here's an example of one that is silly, but is kind of real life. The networks. Another, this is a solo friendly game too. So the networks is a game where you are a network. You are a television network drafting stars and advertisements to put on the air along with shows and all of the shows, all of the stars, all the advertisements are silly, jokey things. They're all puns having to do with other main life, but that's totally the theme. That's, that's what they're going for the whole time. They never once describe that you're going to college. They are saying that you, you are funding the, the worst type of things and you are, you are a bottom of the barrel type place. And here's, the sort of stuff the bottom of the barrel type places can get. And I, that's, that's, that's funny and that's enjoyable. And the art in that case is immersive because then you feel like your, your network struggling to be able to survive and do what it is that you can do. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Now, uh, another thing I like in my art is consistency. For example, I'm thinking of Uwe Rosenberg games. All his games tend to have a similar style of art and, they tend to be cartoony, and I think you know there is some variation in there, but it almost feels like it's a. This, I'm coming back to the same world every time. Maybe a slight tweak, you know, like farming in a in France in the Middle Ages or 1800s, whenever it was, or or building a a fishing village in in a fjord somewhere. They they tend to all have a similar feel to the art, and so it ties all those games together. And I and I do appreciate that. Well, I'm I. I'd advance that even further and think that because the art is almost bland-ish, it's just sort of, it's just setting piece. It almost ties to other games too, like Nations, for example. Also has bland-ish type art. It's just places. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think that that, I think they only look similar because it's so bland that it doesn't really have a strong feeling other than just not clashing at that point in time. I think the art has has stepped so far back in Uwe Rosenberg type games that you're just not clashing. And because it doesn't clash, it doesn't clash with anything else either. 
So it doesn't detract from the, the game mechanics or the gameplay or anything like that. I think that it's not, it, it neither detracts nor enhances at that, at that stage, which yep. is better than detracting because you, there are definitely games where the art does detract. But I think for his, it's not a matter that it ties all the worlds together. It's just that all the worlds have no ties to anything. <laughs> okay. Which is not a bad thing. I'm not. I'm just saying that like different <laughs> yeah. different games have different strengths. Some games have a strength in that it creates a really cohesive, well tied together world where the mechanics pull you into the art, and the art pulls you into the mechanics and makes you feel like you're living in a world. And Uwe Rosenberg simply can't do that. You don't feel when you're doing Feast for Odin. You don't actually feel. Like your Vikings going off on a, on a quest. And if you're doing Caverna, <laughs> you don't actually feel like, oh, we're going to go and spelunk in a cave and see what it, oh my gosh, we, we pulled a, a bed out of the deepest caves. <laughs> but no, <laughs> I'm sorry. It's excellent mechanics, a lot of fun to play. But in terms of art pulling you into the mechanics, mm, I don't think you can do Not that. Not so much. Okay. Not so much, exactly. How how about a, a game like Above and Below that is mechanically relatively similar to Uwe Rosenberg games? They all have a consistent... All of those games from um, Red Raven games? Yes. Right, Red Above Raven and Below, games. Near and Far. They all have a very similar style and art, and they're also in the same universe. I, was gonna say, the I think is... they're all supposed to be the exact same universe, exact same time, because they have actual... They have fantastic mm-hmm. races that carry between them. I mentioned role player before, and I think role player does the same thing. So there's role player, there's role player adventure, there's cartographer and he's, and there's lockup. So he's created the same races in the same universe. Um, well, I think the art style, and now I want to make sure I'm being clear for the red Raven games, the art style is distinct and enjoyable, but I think that it's still too generic of a fantasy setting to really pull you into the theme. If you're doing something cool and unique and different than just fantasy stuff, then fine, you can pull yourself into a theme. For example, uh, Nemo's War. Nemo's War is not just generic fantasy. You're a specific character living out a very specific story. In the Red Mm -hmm. Raven games, it's still just generic fantasy with his world, like the frog people or the monsters or whatever what what have you the art is a distinct style but it doesn't pull you into a specific enough theme to be able to bring you forward i'd say the problem is even worse than role player well i think the art in the whole role player world is pretty it's still just generic fantasy mm-hmm. yeah i the red raven games i really like the art style and to me it does draw me in i like the the, the weird fish people and frog people or whatever they are and all those things. And and to me, that does start making me wonder what the world is like. And then you get the little paragraphs that you start reading that give you little tiny hints of a of a culture and all that. that it draws me in a lot to the story and to the setting in the world. But it's only because of those paragraphs that it draws you in. It, and the art. I, I, I really love the art style there. Those funny rounded buildings are all consistent and... You know, it's just totally different from any world we live in. So, so it does bring me into feel like I'm, I'm definitely in a fantasy world because it looks different than my world, and there's different people in there and everything. And for me, it's just great. 
I hear what you're saying. Yeah. I think for me, it wasn't really until Above and Below that I felt like the world really started to develop itself as a world because only then was there actual stories that were being told about that it's not just generic fantasy at that point in time. But I think is it Islebound, I think is the name of the other Red Raven game where you're going off on boats and fighting giant monsters. Mm-hmm. That one just felt generic fantasy. I'm going fighting giant monsters. There wasn't enough of a story for me to feel immersed in. Once you have Above and Below that actually starts to develop character history and things like that then to me it felt like the story was something i could get immersed in and the art again was just stepping back to not get in the way i i wonder how much you would enjoy that game if the art style was different like say it was a darker grittier more realistic art i i don't think i would enjoy it as much because it's a light-hearted game i mean let's swap the two let's say let's say that role player were in the let's let's take above and below and use role player art for it because we were talking about two different things. I mm-hmm. think that I would probably have enjoyed it a similar amount. I do like the Red Raven games. Like I, I don't. I, I want to be very careful. I like the Red Raven games, and I don't want all of a sudden his art style to just disappear. It's a beautiful art style. Um, so I'm not mm-hmm. saying that it should disappear and go away. It is a unique selling point to the game because it looks different than other things on the shelf, but. Would I have less or more immersion if everything, all the aspects of above and below, including, I emphasize the storybook stayed the same, but it used an art similar to that of the role player adventure line. I think I would probably enjoy the same amount. You know, it's hard to say one way or the other, unfortunately, but I do not think I would enjoy it as much because the, like, for example, the art and cartographers, Right, it is. It's a darker art, more serious, and and above and below, for example, it's such a light-hearted, quick game, and I think it would feel slower and more more frustrating with a different style of art. And I, so, in this case, I think the art really lends to the the mechanics of the game. Interesting. I'm going to focus on what you said. It would feel slower because of an art style. Explain more. Why would it feel slower? It It is, I think, because I'm taking the game more seriously, because the art is more serious. And and then I get more invested in what really, you know, the, the world and what happens. With with a light art style like, like the game has now, you know, I could play more quickly and not worry about it, and it's just more fun. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. And who knows? I might be talking nonsense. Uh, it's not nonsense. Somebody... It's how you feel. <laughs> well, yeah, but I may I may play it and say, "Oh no, I was talking nonsense." It's exactly the same. It doesn't matter what the art's like. We'll never know unless somebody reskins it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's an extremely difficult experiment to do. I'd be interested to see that. I know that they've done ex- experiments on how art styles can change a person's response to it. So, for example, um, there have been people who have taken Pandemic and they've reskinned it three different ways. They've done one that is just cube pusher the game literally cube pusher the game Mm -hmm. and it took away all theme it was just cubes they um did one that is pandemic as it is and then they also rethemed it um so oh no i'm sorry it's not for pandemic um it was ink and gold they rethemed ink and gold so they did one that is just cube pusher the game which is still just mechanics they have one that is ink and gold as it is right now where you're going and you're rescuing treasure and then the last one was you're a firefighter trying to rescue as many people before you have to run out and Mm -hmm. people had distinct different feelings about the game with the different 
art styles and the different themes that were applied to it. So it's not for nothing that how things can be applied to. When they made it a firefighter game, people stayed in much longer than they did if it were just gold. Even though oh, wow. the, it was still a game game to win, you saw that people were generally staying in much longer and being much more risky just because of the change in themes. And mm-hmm. so you telling me that because the art style is lighter makes you approach the game faster and weigh your decisions less. That makes sense to me. I just don't think that the red Raven style art alone would be enough for me to think that the game is to be approached in a lighter fashion. I think that, I think that something that would make me approach a game in a lighter fashion would be a jokey type thing like, the networks or dungeon pets but in both of those cases those are heavy games Mm -hmm. and i approach those with a heavy thought process on it whereas king of tokyo for example well actually king of tokyo i guess is an art style that is jokey so i guess that's not a good example (laughs) yeah yeah. i'm trying to think of something where an art style does make me treat it lighter and i can't think of one imperial settlers no no Imperial Settlers, I don't think is jokey. I think they just decided that it's not real, that the world itself is not real, and they very much slap you in the face that the world is not real by putting their components in the game. Hmm, interesting. I, I don't know. How about Isle of Cats? You talked about the art of that recently and, and how fun it was and whatnot. Yeah, but again, I don't think that's a game where it's jokey and light art, which yeah. makes me appro- approach it in a light fashion. I think that the cats, like, I feel myself immersed in a world where the cats are real cats and we have to rescue them, which is why I enjoy so much my daughter's, I enjoy my daughter's disappointment. I'm afraid I have to say those words now. I enjoy so much my daughter's (laughs) disappointment with the fact that we don't ever manage to rescue all the cats because she's as immersed in the world as I am and enjoying so much that we're rescuing the cats. She's going yeah. to hear this, and I'm going to be in trouble. <laughs> that I okay, enjoy about, my daughter's uh, disappointment. <laughs> we'll change the subject real quick. Maybe she'll get over it. How about Clank? That one's a jokey theme, or jo- jokey art for sure. It's very full of, well, the, the, the flavor text and the character titles are full of puns and jokes and inside humor and all that. So the game, the Clank game that I've played the most is actually Clank Legacy. Mm, okay, I haven't played that. Um, it's a fair amount of fun. It's just Clank, but there's more story. Yeah. You actually have things going on. You're developing the world. There's people that you meet and recurring characters. So much so that I can't think of one where I don't have a world that I'm as immersed in because that one, I'm heavily immersed in that world. There's a story I've had involvement in. <laughs> okay. Well, darn. Fair enough. I guess we are not going to find an example because we are running low on time already. Indeed. <laughs> Uh, there's a bunch more we could say about art. Do we want to mention any other things? Move on. We we kind of talked about can art ruin a game for you or not? I guess. What what style of art is your favorite? Do you have a favorite? Do you know? If sure I you know were designing, answer, if I were to design a game, what art style would I use? Okay. I really would debate. I think we've said pretty much so far that it's it depends on the game. Some games, mm-hmm. some games are more benefited by different art styles than others. I would want it to not be bland. I would want it to be ones that invoke an actual world and make you feel like you're part of the world. I definitely wouldn't want it to be 
I don't want it to be, hey, there's a bunch of people here. As much as possible, don't throw multiple characters. Like, there's so many games that are, I'm going to put all these characters on the box, and here we go. Like, Flying Frog games are the worst (laughs) ones for it. That it looks like. I don't like that art either. I don't like that type of art either, but they're the worst ones for just having all of them on it. But even there's some other ones on my shelf that like a look and like, oh, why did they do that for that cover? Here's here's one that has beautiful art, but is the same problem. Cerebria. Cerebria by Mind Clash Games. Wonderful art, very evocative of the mental plane that you're in. But they did the same thing for their box cover, which is just here's all the characters on the box cover, just all lined up. <laughs> the one that makes me laugh a lot tends to be Pandemic because they seem to every game has the same cover it has a woman on it an older man and a younger man yeah also that same <laughs> it doesn't sort matter of the theme yep. the ancient Rome or whatever put the same yeah. few people on it <laughs> so I think all those things I think that is something I would definitely avoid where I do be making my own board game art yep well, regardless of whatever the art is, I am impressed with the artists that could come up with, you know, given some instructions, come up with a, this art for this game. This is what we're trying to go for. And usually they seem to get it right. Yeah. I mean, I've read and some I, of the. I am so impressed with that. I've read some of the art briefs that sometimes some of these artists get when they're given oh. these. And it's funny. I've cast the Albert. What is your favorite art in a game? Oh, my favorite art in a game? That's a tough one. I. Um, looking around, looking around. I think I'll go with near and far. I do like that art a lot. I think my favorite art style is actually from the Dresden Files cooperative card game. I think the art style that they've used there, because it's a magic world, so it's still it's drawn, but it's drawn real to life. And I've I really like the art style and the artist of that game. It's really good. Hmm. Okay. I'm not familiar with that one. I still haven't seen that game or played it. I know of it. You should check it out. I think I've even re- I think I've even um, yeah. reviewed it here. You covered it. You did. You did. But uh, I never played it. It sounded neat. I'm just you know I just don't know much about the Dress and Files universe. I've never read any of the books. We'll go check out the art because I think I that's probably my favorite. My favorite art in the game is the Dress and Files cooperative card game. All right, and and so that's it for our show, folks. Art, art in games, and two games. Or at least how art relates to our immersion in a game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there you go. And how and how important it is to us. I think it's very important for personally. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening to our ramblings and uh, joining us for a little bit of a discussion here. We will get back to you with more games next time. Have a good evening, everyone. Good night. Yep. Bye, all. Thanks for listening. We love feedback, so we love hearing from you. You can reach me at Julius at OnePlayerPodcast.com or JLBird on BGG. And Albert can be reached at Albert at OnePlayerPodcast.com or Fractalude on BGG. Our website is OnePlayerPodcast.com with the number one, and we're also on Twitter at OnePlayerPodcast. The intro music is copyright Angus, can be found at Gemendo.com. The transition music is copyright by Dan Elduce Pancaldi, whose page is at DanPancaldi.com. The One Player Podcast is protected under a Creative Commons share-like license. Thanks for listening.